Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. Thank you, Steve. I am very happy to be here today, and we have a very special guest. Uh, we have Kimberly Mishkin, and she is our guest today on Financially Ever After. And Kimberly, Kim is a co-founder of SAS Solutions and an educator of over 20 years and former administrator for the Spence School in Manhattan. Uh, she holds a BA in education from Miami University and a Master's of Science, an MS in Science Education from Wright State University, and is a licensed in educational leadership through the Ohio State University. She's a CDC, which is a certified divorce coach as well as a grief recovery specialist that she went through training with the Grief Recovery Institute. Kim was divorced after 13 years of marriage and is now happily remarried. I've met um, her amazing family and is a mom to a beautiful boy as well. So it's great to have you here today, Kim. Thanks for having me, Stacey. So for you, Tell me a little bit about your story, and you've had an unbelievable journey, uh, and what's wonderful is it's been a journey to happiness, too, which is something that is such a powerful story that I know so many women going through divorce really need to hear. Oh, yeah. Well, I think of it as two stories, really, the the first story and the second. Um, as you mentioned, I was married for 13 years. It was an abusive situation. Physically, mostly mentally and emotionally, the physical was minor, but doesn't matter because I spent many, many years in a very dark marriage. Um, And I found my way out of that. And as you mentioned, I then started a new chapter in my life with a wonderful person who is quite different. And I have a very, I'm in a very wonderful place right now. Um, And I did have a baby late in life. I had him when I was 43 with my um, now wonderful husband. Um, So it was a journey, you know, I had to kind of claw my way out of that dark place and get to a place where I was calling the shots a little bit more and I knew what I was aiming for, which was people who lifted me up and not people who brought me down. And um, so I, to the one, to some degree I'm lucky, but I really feel like I created this place that I'm at too. Mm -hmm. You know, I worked really hard to get here. Um, and, and as you said, I was a teacher and a school leader for many, many years. And then that process of coming out of that first chapter of my life left me with so many question marks that I then went got, got trained as a divorce coach and as a grief specialist to help other women because mm-hmm. there's such better things out there for them and you can't necessarily see it. And so I, I spent many years helping women get to their own better place. Yeah. I think what's really amazing about your story is that from the outside you had this unbelievably high-powered job running us you know one of the top schools in the country let alone one of the top girls schools in New York City coming to work 
no one would have ever imagined that you were going through what you were going through at home. How did you, uh, number one, how did you hide that? But how did you have the courage to come forward that you were being abused? Um, I did hold it together for a long time. And I think a big part of that was that I was, I loved my job and I felt very good at it. And I felt empowered when I was at work and I felt, and I, I compartmentalized like crazy. I was a different person at work. I was, you know, thoughtful and put together and organized and I was making decisions and I was uh, really on top of my game at that point, strangely, while things were falling apart more and more at home, I'd be a different person at home. I, I had no opinion at home. I kept my mouth shut at home. I was biding time until I didn't know what I just was in a place where I didn't know what to do there so I succeeded at work and then eventually they bled together the, the got gray because I couldn't hold it to I couldn't fake it at work much more I was sleep deprived uh, many nights I couldn't stay in my own home so I was either perching on park benches or I would stay with a friend or you know I was up in the middle of the night and then get a couple hours early in the morning and so it was starting to really have an effect on my health um and i had a lot of really wonderful people around me at that school who started to gently inquire and i finally let somebody in and things had gotten to escalated to such a crazy degree at home that i i really couldn't deny it anymore i had to have some help i didn't know where to turn with all of this and if I didn't get some help, I was going to lose that job I love so much. So I had to trust that people would listen, and mm -hmm. and and I had to finally admit that I needed help. Mm -hmm. Is what it came down to. And also, I can imagine worries about not only losing that job, but that physically, that something was going to really ha happen. Where? Yeah, yeah. He, I mean he. It, the person I was married to just declined in a way that it wasn't safe anymore. And I didn't feel safe. Um, and so I left more and more often um, in terms of like not spending the night at my own place or, or whatnot, which led to a lot of chaos when you don't know where your clothes are and you don't, and yeah. you know, so I kept a bag under my desk or I'd keep things to freshen up at work or, um, you know, I, it was a nomadic time. And so that was very chaotic and his behavior was getting, more dramatic and scarier. And I'm at the same time, I also was, I, I wanna put this out there, I wasn't just like, I'm out of here. I was trying to fix it. I was trying to get him help. I was trying to reach out to his family. I was trying to figure out how we could put this marriage back together. I wasn't originally like, see ya. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a long, long time, months and months and months and months of trying to figure out how to, we could put this back together into a healthy way. And it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Um, and so, then I had to understand that I had to get divorced, which was a whole nother shift. You know, I, I shifted away from trying to fix it to how do I salvage myself here? <laughs> and how did you have the courage to have that conversation with him? A, a man who, at least to me, would, would scare the bejeebers out of me. Yeah. Well, wow. what's different about my marriage, which, uh, you know, years and years of working with people, women going through divorce, I feel like mine's a little bit unique in the fact that I get to the place where I had to have a restraining order and I was not permitted to speak to him. So, you know, we did a lot through the lawyers and through um, his family and I, I had to disengage to be safe. And so, you know, I handled most of it through my attorney 
um, and through the court system and through those channels um, because he was not able to participate in, in a conversation, in a rational conversation at that point. So I had to do what I had to do to protect myself and mm-hmm. my finances and my job mm-hmm. and my own personal safety. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I surrounded myself with good people who, you know, my, my attorney knew what my, my situation was, my security staff at work knew what the situation was, my friends knew what my situation was, and I put a lot of plans in place, a mm-hmm. lot of safety plans in place. Mm-hmm. So... What sustained you through this unbelievable journey? Um, what was your support network? You talked a little bit about the, the amazing people that you worked with. I did. Um, but, I mean, I, I can't imagine going through that alone. Um, well, I wasn't alone, even though it felt very lonely a lot of the time. But honestly, the, the one thing I look back and I think, for the first time in my life, I felt empowered. I wasn't saying, okay, you can treat me this way anymore, even though I knew deep down I deserved better. You know, there's a lot of, I'm not a psychologist, but there's a lot of psychology here about why I ended up allowing that, me to live in that place for so long. So when I finally got a taste of standing up for myself, it was kind of addictive. I was just like, all right, no more. I've, I've finally, I publicly said no more, therefore I kind of had to stick to it and I had to walk the walk a little bit until I really felt it. But it felt good to to not to be free of some of those like all that negativity I was living with, you know, yeah. name calling and and being put down and felt like I was stupid and worthless and and you know I was so disempowered for so long that I just took a few drops of it and I just was wow this is a whole different ball game yeah. and then once I got I and then you know one thing would lead to another he I get some confirmation from the attorney or from somebody at work who's like, you, you go girl. And I would, mm-hmm. it fed mm-hmm. itself. And then I got stronger and stronger and then realized I did deserve better. Yeah. And so I put an end to it. So, and what would you say to the women who are listening who are in an unhealthy situation that are, not knowing what to do. Well, I think what spoke to me for so long that I bet everybody out there could relate to is that inner voice. Because deep down you know it, or you at least question it. If you find yourself wondering, is this okay? Is it okay that he said this? Or is it okay that he did this or she did this? If you even have to ask that question, then you need to listen to that person, that voice talking. Mm-hmm. Because that's who, the only voice I had for the longest time, and I just quelled it. Nope, everything's fine. We're married. We'll figure this out. All couples fight. I would say he had an Irish temper. You know, he's quick to be angry, quick to forgive, quick to be fine. You know, and he was, he would apologize profusely, and there'd be presents, and there would be months and months of like, he would treat me wonderfully. And then it would all go sour again, and I'd be back to that place of, this doesn't seem right. Like, mm-hmm. but I also didn't tell anyone. So I, the only thing I had was my internal conversation happening. So you have to listen to that. But the one time my sister did stop to ask me, does he hurt you? It was in a situation where we were in a room full of people. He was across the room and I lied. I lied because I didn't know how it's, what was I going to do if I said yes right there. What was she going to do? So I just covered up and said, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And she didn't ask again for many years. <laughs> so your shot of somebody calling you out and going, hey, hey, this isn't right, may or may not come. And when it does, you may not react the way that you hope. Because I look back at that moment and go, why didn't I pull her off to the bedroom? Why didn't we go for a walk around the block? Why didn't I just tell her what was going on? 
but that wasn't it wasn't the right moment I wasn't in a place to even handle what I would say and so if you're asking those internal questions then start listening start writing things down the Mm -hmm. other thing I would say is one of the things that made me really brought to light what was happening I did I journaled in the beginning of our relationship and then I didn't journal for many many years and then when I started getting worried and again kind of getting a sense that this is getting worse. I started journaling again because you forget so much or you tell yourself it didn't happen that way or you soften it, you know, time softens your memories. So if you write them down, just, you know, keep a, keep an ongoing log of this happened. This is what he said. This is the time. This is the date. And then you get a little track record and you look back and you can't deny it. Your memory cannot soften if it's right there in black and white. And then I think you, you start to realize that, no, you know what? And the other thing I would say is, by contrast, I'm married to somebody now who would who has never in eight, nine years or would never call me a name or tell me I'm stupid or put me down in any manner or do anything but want the best for me or want me to be happy and want me to do what I want to do. He doesn't ever tell me who I can't see or can see or what I should and shouldn't do in terms of my time off or what movies I should watch or that I shouldn't drive or I should like he doesn't tell me any of that. I'm my own person. And, and there are out there, there are men out there, there are women out there, there are people who will be your partner who will, who will let you thrive, who will lift you up and make you the better version of yourself than you would be without them, not the other way around. If it's the other way around, you have something to look at. And you're so powerful because you share this. And that's something I so, I so admire that you're able to be authentic of this is, this is my story, this is where I'm at. And you sharing this helps the thousands, unfortunately, thousands of women who are are trapped in these situations. And my, my grandmother is is one of those women who dealt with the emotional abuse, dealt with the financial abuse, dealt with the physical abuse, and never left. And it ultimately killed her. Going on, even when she was in her 80s, he pushes her down again. This time she breaks her hip and then dies in the hospital. It's it's a life and death situation. And particularly if you have children, you may not think that the children know, but, but the kids know. Oh, they do. And the worst thing that can then happen is that you're then training your child that this is okay and the abuse is perpetuated. And I know in in our family situation, that happened, where my father then had to deal with his demons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, bless that he did. And, you know, he's become just an amazing, amazing man. But this this is something that it's... I feel like we need more support for these women who feel um, who feel trapped and don't know where don't know where to turn. And you know, what are some of those resources that you would say are out there? I know that that that's one of the things that you did is you um, had a couple resources that you reached out to. I did, and and it started with just telling somebody. Mm-hmm. Because then, then you get a little bit of strength to be looking out for those resources. And it, even before that, you have to understand that you're being abused. I didn't use that word for a long time. 
because I could rationalize it all the way or it didn't seem as bad and it wasn't what I saw on TV and I, I never had any crazy black eyes or, you know, anything so, he never broke a bone that I, I almost wished he would have because then I could have pointed to it and said, see, that's abuse. But when they just kind of insidiously and quietly, you know, gaslight you and tell you things that make you feel crazy, that's hard to be, it's hard to admit to people, mm-hmm. let alone even to yourself. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is you have to like listen, like I said, that inner voice or at least question it and say, is you know, examine it. Is this okay? Mm-hmm. And ask yourself, do you want to live this way for the next 30, 40 years? Mm-hmm. Is this, does this a good example for your kids? Um and then you have to reach out to someone, and I would just say keep it, keep that circle small. Uh, speak to somebody who is one or two people that you know would really keep it to themselves and help you find the re- res- right resources. Because you got to get to somebody professionally who does this. Um, once, if you kind of just go and I, I this kind of, speaking from experience, if you just start, I got to this kind of place where I was like telling anybody who would listen. And then later wish I could suck back all those words because then they all form opinions and then the rumor mill starts and they know your spouse. So then it becomes this other like taking sides and it it was kind of a unfortunate the way that but I started off that way because I didn't know where to go. Mm -hmm. And I didn't identify with like, you know, the crisis hotline, the national hotline. Even though I have recommended that since I didn't back then I couldn't see myself as being the person who's supposed to call that number. Mm But when I finally did it, I ended up going more local to a place called Safe Horizons, which was in the courthouse. And somebody had told me about that. And what was beautiful about that for me was I walked in and they helped me navigate the the whole restraining order process. And they had a whole other waiting room so I could wait away from him. I didn't have to worry that he was going to turn the next corner because he had to show up in court too. So they were used to understanding how to keep you, make you feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a child at the time, but they also have child care situation there. So, you know, it's just they're, they're meant to be a safe haven. So um, not that they necessarily knew, you know, I was kind of in a funny place. I had a job. And so they offered me vouchers for food. And I said, thanks, but I have a job. And they offered me vouchers for a hotel. And I said, I've got five friends who are ready to give me their couch, but thank you. So, you know, I was kind of an unusual walk-in for them, but I, that's, that's okay. You just use the resources yeah. that you can find and you take and the ones you need. what's helpful. Yep. And then you go from there. Um, so since then I've learned about many, a lot of the women's shelters especially are super secret. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, you got to speak to somebody who can help you find that, you know, you go most of the, I, I use the NYPD quite a bit actually too. There was a wonderful detective who um, made me feel safe because he, he really listened to everything I was saying and pieced it all together before I, I just was spewing it. This happened and this happened and this happened. And he was pay- helping me create that bigger picture of why it wasn't okay for him to be behaving that way. And, um, and so a lot of the shelters, you can go to the NYPD and they have a person trained there in domestic violence and they'll get you to a local place that's kind of underground mm-hmm. where you can't be found and you can heal a little bit and get strong and get the resources that you need in order. That's great. So let's talk about where you are today. Tell me about your healing journey to be able to invite such an amazing, healthy, kind, emotionally available, smart, successful man into your life. What was that journey like for you? And it's just so powerful to show that there there is 
there is hope and there there are great people out there and that you deserve them yeah well that's the first thing right it's so hard to that's what led you to the first place is that you didn't feel like you deserved much better than that so it was a lot of work on myself and a lot, lots and lots of therapy um, because the truth of the matter was when I left that I was being treated for post-traumatic stress disorder which I didn't even understand at the time and and one day he said that that label and I was like oh I have that <laughs> and he was like what do you think we've been doing all these months and I'm like oh well I don't know um, I was just trying to get to a, a, a balanced healthy place in my thinking mm-hmm. um, and so I think that, I mean, it all starts, it's, uh, I see women make this mistake a lot, right? It's about, let me go find the next guy or, or woman who's a good one. And we all kind of strive for that, but I wasn't looking at the time at all. In fact, it was the opposite. Um, I was working on me. And then when we started dating, it was super slowly, it'd be once or twice a month for the longest time. And then gradually, very gradually over five years, we increased our time, but it was not about going jumping from one relationship to the next one it had to be about figuring out you know part of it was I was focusing on my career and I was trying to figure out I hardly recognize recognize myself now I look back and I think how how did I live for so many years where somebody was just putting me down constantly and because I would never allow that nowadays. You know, I, I look back and I think that wouldn't fly for one minute in my mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? The difference is I found my self-esteem again. I, I realized I had value again. I had to stop and understand, and I had to have a lot of strategies for dealing, because I spent many years with panic attacks and nightmares, and I have a lot of strategies now in place um, for what happens if I feel crisis or, or stress eating away at me and my body. And there's a lot of tools that, I put in place in terms of dealing with when things are not going well, not letting it spiral out of control. Um, and a lot of that I credit to therapy, which I think everybody at some point in their life benefits from. And I learned a lot of great tools that I use to this day, even though I haven't been in therapy in many years. But mm-hmm. um, so the trick wasn't that I was looking for him, it said he found me when I was in a place where I could recognize what was coming my way mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't just my current husband it was my friends you go through this process when I was um, when I, in our work at um, SAS for Women which is that consultancy you mentioned at the very beginning um, my partner and I did a lot of work around what we call the four stages of divorce and in this what you and I are talking a lot about today is stage three the kind of transitioning into putting your life back together into a new mm-hmm, and healthier mm-hmm. place right and a lot of stage three is to cutting out toxic relationships in your life. And it's not just love to relationships. You get to this place where you are free finally and, and starting to get a taste of what it means to be healthy and balanced and have goodness in your life. And anybody who comes along who tra- threatens that, you are quick to cut them out. Whether it's a, you know, a work colleague, whether it's somebody mm-hmm. you play sports with, whether it's somebody who's you know asking you out on a date, you get a whiff of hurtfulness or negativity or somebody putting you down and you just don't have one minute of time for it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was not just, I think when you shed a lot of that, then, and I'm a big believer in this too with my clients, I see it over and over again. When you are feeling positive and putting positive energy out there, it comes back to you in so many interesting yes. ways. So, and I'm not a, an expert in like how, you know, like I don't read my horrope. I don't carry and stones. I don't know. I'm just 
that's I just see it happen that way. It works. Yeah. So if you want to, wouldn't mind putting your expert hat on, what do you see um, women making mistakes? You know, going through divorce. What What are some of those things that you've seen women, um, unfortunately? make their future situation more difficult worse um first of all trying to do it alone Mm -hmm. you know just trying to like i'll figure this out not letting people in um you know the opposite of that is telling everybody and their brother but not the right people Mm -hmm. so if you either tell no one and you try to figure it out or you tell all your gossipy neighbors neither one is helpful neither one gets you anywhere different so what you what i say is you have to you have to create a little team of people and they have to be people who are deal with this all the time, you mm-hmm. know, and it's either whether it's a divorce coach or you're for me, it was my accountant and my therapist and my old boss actually was on my team because I needed her to know that, you know, I might be late to work for this particular day because I have a court date or because I had to go speak to the DA or because I had an attorney's visit or whatnot. Um, so there's a lot of key players who will hold you up and inform you as you go and keep you to uh, on a path to getting this through this. Mm-hmm. Um, another mistake is jumping from one relationship to the next, which I've mentioned. But the t- it, temptation, it's lonely. Mm-hmm. And you're leaving this awful situation. And you see this nice person over there who seems perfect. And what I would say is if you don't do the work in between, you're just going to repeat history with that person. Even if it, and it may be a different version of history. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not going to get you to a place where you've grown yeah. which I think is the best part of divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, either telling everybody, all the wrong people or telling no one or trying to jump into the next relationship or just trying to write it out and staying. And I've heard so many times I'm going to stay for the kids and I just, I don't buy it. As a teacher and now a mom and I spent many, many years with kids in my classes who told me everything, what was going on at home and the parents thought they didn't know anything and they know everything. We, we, they're we sponges. Don't give, we don't give them enough credit, even if they can't articulate it because they're very young or they can't put their words to it. They know on a fundamental gut level, they know that things aren't good at home. Um, and that's, to me, a bit of an excuse, you know, mm-hmm. and you can unpack it. And there's lot, there's timing here. It doesn't mean that everybody can just get up and leave when they want to. But to stay for the long haul with just no plan for anything, I'll write it out. It'll be fine. That's how, you know, your grandma ended up. And so I, I think if I had stayed the same, I would have ended up in a very similar, I might have lived a long, unhappy life. And I don't know how it would, how or when it would have ended, but it would have been a waste of my life if mm-hmm. I had stayed there for much longer. Yeah, no one needs a long, unhappy life. That's just not, that's not it. Mm-mm. So here you are today, um, happily married, amazing son, what is your financially after? What are you hoping for? Um, you've got so many opportunities in front of you, and um, at the same time, you know, just kind of in in the closing up, you know, words of wisdom, also that that you would like to make sure that we we have today. I think kind of come full circle. It helps to understand where I was in chapter one financially versus my life now, because in the first part of my first marriage, I was. I, came from a home where we didn't have much, you know, it was, um, I know one of your questions sometimes is, you know, your early memory, right? Yeah. My earliest memory of money was when my mom was mailing a bill, but she didn't put the check in. 
and it was on purpose. And it finally clicked. I don't know if maybe I'd seen it before or what, but it finally clicked on what she was doing. She was mailing them without the check, and then they would call her, and she'd go, oh, I forgot to put the check in. I'm sorry. So she was buying time to pay one bill so not the other. And so that was wow harsh. Like I, I remember feeling that was the first time I felt poor, you know, yeah. that, that, that and took good for her for like doing whatever it took to, to keep yeah. the lights on. Did that but, make you feel scared at all? Oh yeah. It was felt yucky. Yeah. Yucky. Um, and shameful. Yeah. I spent a lot of t- my childhood knowing we didn't have enough money. Um, and my parents did the best they could. It wasn't the, you know, but it's, you know, there wasn't, wasn't a lot of treats. There weren't vacations. You know, it was slim pickings for for a lot of my growing up. And so I think that when we, I got to my first job, and I met my first husband, who came from a very middle class, comfortable lifestyle, that was attractive. It was so attractive. holy grail. Exactly. Good looking guy from a good family with a good education, and money isn't the big issue here. So, and we were both employed for the, so for those years we enjoyed what I felt like was wealthiness, mm-hmm. you know, it isn't really. Um, but the dark part of that is, and he was a CPA. So I said, oh, great, He's you can do this the bills. stuff, right? Exactly. He's good at this. Exactly. And he was, he was brilliant. Um, what I didn't know is that in later years, he wasn't being truthful. I bought it all hook, line, and sinker and believed whatever he told me. And at the end, I found out there were a lot of smoke and mirrors there. So that was really scary to live for, you know, 12, 13 years, feel like we're saving money fine we're good and then to find out that's not actually the pick the truth um the other part of that was i never put two and two together but my entire first marriage i was earning more money than him but i never felt like it not once not for one minute did i feel like i made a penny more than him in fact i make a good deal more than him for a good part of our marriage but i was just so disempowered when it came to the money i wasn't i let myself go into the dark and so that is my biggest advice to women now. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you are. If you're about to get married, you may never get married. You're 35 years into a marriage. Look at your finances. Have a handle on it for a whole lot, host of reasons. Never know what will happen. It's something that you should be in touch with, but also it's just power. If you know what you're, what the situation was with your life financially, that's another piece of empowerment that is very heady mm-hmm. and important. So when I then left that marriage, I had a lot of figuring out to do and cleaning up to do and repairing. And there was a lot of debt there. And rebuilding. And rebuilding. And um, you know, my accountant at the time was hugely helpful in helping me understand just kind of emergency stopgap stuff. How do I pay for that divorce? That was a puzzle. Um, and, and again, I wasn't even able to speak to my ex. So we couldn't have conversations about what the money situation was. I just kind of took my zone pile and said okay I'll figure out this much what I see right here and then leave it to to time to figure out the rest um and I was left with a lot of debt and I chipped away at it very very slowly and what I learned was in the beginning I'm kind of a person who wants to have her bills paid and I'm I'm a rule follower and I really wanted just to pay as much off every month as I could and I would like eat peanut butter and ramen noodles in order to put as much toward the debt as I could And then I had to back off of that because I was so unhappy. And so I found a good balance where I could still make every payment, but I could have a new purse once in a while, or I could go out to eat with my friends once in a while. I I had to get to a place where I was treating myself occasionally because I was doing all the hard work to make the payments. Um, And that was much better. Those years were much better where I felt like I was living life, but I was still doing the responsible thing. 
Um, and now my husband and I share, you know, we meet once or twice a year with uh, our financial person and we look at everything. I have my own stash of money and he knows exactly how important that is. Um, and so I have my own accounts and we have a prenup that we were both felt very important because I wanted to walk into that marriage knowing exactly how we were going to handle our finances. And it's not because we're millionaires. I know a lot of people think prenups are for people who have oodles and oodles and oodles of money. It's not. It was a conversation about how do we handle money? What happens if we have a baby, which we did? How do we handle it if we buy a house? It was preliminary conversations about how we're going to be financially together. Um, and that went such a long way. And so now we have no... We have open conversations anytime we need to about what's going to happen next with, you know, we bought a house, we renovated a house, and we have a little boy in school. So, you know, these conversations happen all the time, but they're natural part of our conversation now. And that's really important because there have been many studies I've shown is that if you can't talk about money, that is a, a big step forward towards divorce. It's oh, yeah. a really big step. So I believe it. <laughs> um, anything else that you can think of for you um, that you want to share? I think there's probably people out there listening who may see themselves a little bit in my story or your grandma's story. Um, and I would just say that if you're in a place where it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel happy and I don't mean that lightly but I mean mm -hmm. deep down in your soul that you don't feel like you're generally a happy person look at it look at it with a good friend start questioning whether you want to spend the rest of your life this way yeah and then to your last point if you don't talk to your spouse about money why is that and what can change there because mm -hmm. you know I've got I've had clients who are 35 40 years into a marriage who just now are saying I should know more about our finances and if that person is open to that conversation, that's one thing, like a good thing. But if they are unwilling to let you talk, to have a conversation about each other's money, you need to look into that as well. Yeah, that tells you a powerful message. It does. It does. So something I would um, say too is that reaching out for help doesn't mean that you've made the decision to divorce either. Exactly. Um, I know that people will go and they'll visit our website look at everything and then not reach out because somehow that reaching out, whether it's to the financial to just understand more about their finances or um, the therapist or the divorce coach, that somehow in their mind they've boxed that up of this is a train that I then can't stop. But that's not the case. That's not, not the case. That, and the more knowledge and information you have, the better you can assess your situation to figure out what is the next step. That's right. You know, our company stats for women, some people think we're just about getting, we're divorce coaches, right? So yeah. it's about getting divorced. And that's not at all. We're about helping you figure out what's a better place to get to next. What's your next step? Yeah. It may or may not lead toward, toward divorce. We're not actually concerned about that. We're concerned about figuring out what are your options here? Yeah. And so that's right. If you reach out to somebody like you or at our company, if you reach out and connect with someone, you're going to walk away with new ideas. Yeah. And you're going to walk away with a new perspective, looking at something differently, having three other places to call. Yeah. You know, you're there's exit ramps everywhere, left and right. So you can always change your mind and do something different. But if you stay where you are and don't call anyone, you're going to do nothing different. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's about 
starting the momentum, getting the ball rolling. Reach out to people who have information that you could use. And how do our listeners find out more about SAS? Yeah, well, so we have a great, really rich website. So that's um, SAS for Women, S-A-S, which by the way stands for Support and Solutions forwomen.com and that has lots of articles you can start there without ever speaking to a human you could read Mm -hmm. for days honestly and there's good videos there's good um, resources there to start just figuring out it's a wealth of information so I would say start there next step easy step get on the newsletter on there Mm -hmm. because then you're getting things even another you know you guys have great content but also great events and some of them online so if someone's not in new york city or the tri-state area can benefit from that too and if you're not ready to talk to anybody yet yeah exactly listen you can listen and learn um and they're usually super low cost and um it's very very accessible um, and then if you're ready to speak to somebody, you want to know something about specific, free consultations. It doesn't cost you anything but 45 minutes or so. Yeah. So get on the phone with Lisa and or me and find out what what your options are, where, where what might be available to you. Because I guarantee that there, there are options. Yeah, there so, are options. Yeah. Kim, I can't thank you enough for your time and for being here. You you are changing thousands of lives and I I'm I'm nearly in tears I just am so appreciative and thank you uh, for for being here thanks Stacy I appreciate it because it took me so long to talk about it at all so if one person out there feels like they have a little bit of hope and things can change then I'm glad I'm here so thank you thanks and Stacy how do our listeners get in contact with you thanks Steve um, if you want more information, uh, if you are a woman who realizes in the bottom of her soul that you're not 100% happy and you don't know everything you feel like you need to know about your finances, um, please reach out. Please reach out. And you can visit our website. That's www.francisfinancial.com, F-R-A-N-C-I-S financial.com we've got a lot of information there and we also can share with you uh, available right on our website is amazing survey a white paper we wrote after interviewing 150 women about their divorce journey and it really brings to light their stories and what we see both from them, but also from from years of working in this field, uh, the do's and don'ts of divorce and how you can make sure that you're going to be financially secure because that is one of the biggest concerns that women have and that keeps them trapped. I know that that's, that's the reason why my grandma stayed and she told me it was because of, it was because of money. And you should never, stay in a marriage, a job, any type of situation where that's the reason. Um, So please visit the website and then reach out to us because we're here and we understand and we're not judging. We're just here to listen and support and and most importantly, to empower you. And, And we'll do that through our free second opinion program where you will learn about where all those assets are If you don't know, we can help you find them. So really important and please do reach out.